Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks, and I'm joined this evening by Raphael Jacobin and Jake Smalley. I'd like to start off uh, with back at the biggest game of the weekend, certainly on paper, and that was Juventus against Roma. I think a lot of people were interested to see could Ju- Juve continue their excellent form in recent weeks, other than that blip against Inter. And could Roma step up against a big side? They've really struggled in those games this season. In the end, Juve ran out 2-0 winners. How did you see the game, Raphael? Were you impressed by Pirlo's side? Yeah, I think they, they sort of executed the, the tactics to perfection, really. I think they did well to contain the, uh, what, what at times was a dangerous Roma side. I think Roma did threaten in a few, time, in a few occasions, especially in the first half. But... Obviously, they were they were effective. They were clinical. They got through with um, a uh, good Ronaldo goal and uh, ultimately an own goal from from Ibanez. But I think it did show that even though Roma have been you know they have been resurgent recently, I think Juventus do have these assurances with these veteran players like Chiellini, like Ronaldo, like like Bonucci at at times, even if he is a bit on the decline. You know, all those all those players, you know, they have they have the experience. They especially for the for the running of a of a, of a Serie A season, they know how to manage these sorts of games where they're going to probably be on the cosh. And Roma, even even if they have haven't been that good against top teams, they are a very good attacking side. They can be on their on their day. And well, we saw that Juventus were very good at containing them and just knowing when to hit them. When when they were weakest, really. So, I think if anything, it, it it shows that Juventus are well and truly in the title race now. I think they they've got the momentum. They've Pirlo's worked out his his best team, and he, he's worked out which players he can count on. So, yeah, I think I think we we learned the we we from that game we learned that they they are. They do mean business, I think. Yeah, and, and I think we, we saw that some of their experienced players really stepped up with Chiellini, Ronaldo, you know, Alexandro, who's now like 30. Um, Jake, coming to you, um, do you think it, between now and the end of the season, we'll sort of see maybe Pirlo relying a little bit more on his experienced players? I think this season we've more been seeing sort of younger players coming through with Chiesa and McKenney and Delict being relied on quite a lot. But do you think that maybe Chiellini and and players who who have a lot of experience could be um could be vital in those in the final couple of months of the season? Yeah, I said a few weeks ago I thought that it'd definitely be a bit of a transition year this year for Juventus. And um at the moment I think they're coping really well with that. I think uh, you're right in what you say. I think the squad is quite 50-50 in terms of experience and some younger players. And, you know, it's, it's quite important to think that a lot of those younger players who are coming and making quite a big step up to this club, um, players like Chiesa and Kulosevsky, um, have come from, you know, smaller sides in the division. You know, it's, it's difficult for them to settle in. It's going to take time. And most importantly, I think from Perlo's point of view, he's a manager with absolutely no experience. He's taken over a side that have uh, lost a couple of players, brought a few players in. Um, last season wasn't massively great for them, although they did win the title. There was quite a lot of criticism sort of sent their way and mostly directed at Maurizio Sarri. So uh, this year, 
you know, it's more difficult. It looks like competition's a little bit harder for them. So they will need those more experienced players. I think Chiellini's been playing excellent at the moment and Ronaldo's um, just such a key player for them. I think without Ronaldo, they would certainly be weaker. Uh, Benucci's also been a bit better over the last few weeks and to keep Alexandro fit will be the uh, task because his injury problems over the last few years have sort of saw him drop off a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's, there's four or five players there who've done, it, done this before and they'll definitely be key in carrying those uh, younger players through that sort of perhaps are a bit fresher in terms of their legs. But um, those players are an advantage that they've definitely got over um, the top two at the moment there's not really players in the Milan team or the Inter side that have managed to win this division. So, yeah, they'll be they'll be mightily key as these next few months go on. That does seem to be the case. But but on the flip side, you know, it was another loss for Roma in a big game. We saw them uh, completely outplayed by Lazio a few weeks ago in the Rome derby. Um, was this a, a step forward from that game, Raphael? Did you see some sort of promising signs as opposed to how badly that Lazio game went or were you still a bit disappointed that they were in the end pretty convincingly beaten by a big side? I think in general Roma coming out of what's been a very very difficult period both on the pitch and off the pitch obviously you had that you've had that sort of mini squad mutiny after the Spezia game where they where the, the club actually sacked the one of the one of the general managers of the of the sort of backroom stuff and the players went against it. And then you had the whole Jekko controversy where he was, he was frozen out of training for a few weeks. So, and now obviously that, that situation only really mended after the, the end of the transfer window. So it's been, it's been a long way back in, in just in terms of the relationship between Jekko and Fonseca. And I think those sorts of situations have been sort of lingering over the club and sort of affecting their on, on field performances. I would say, you know, obviously Fonseca is going to try and phase Jekko back in. You know, he played, Jekko played a few a few minutes at the end of the game. He had a, a decent chance, which he couldn't get on the end of. And I think that will be. I mean, the fact that he isn't able to, he hasn't been able to use his full his full attacking strength for Roma hasn't been has been a factor for them. And I think, more generally speaking, you know, when you when you compare when you compare this performance to the to what they've been showing in the last few weeks, there there is definitely a, an improvement. I think they are more consistent in the in attacking terms. I think, you know, you look at, for example, look at the defense as well. You look at Ibanez, who even if he did concede an own goal, which you know he he was quite unlucky there. You compare you compare his performance against Juventus to the one against Lazio, which was just a, a like a disaster, really. You you know you sort of you do see signs of improvement, and I think the fact that Fonseca is getting a tough time for for, for get for you know for getting these losses against big clubs, I think it's quite harsh when you consider you know the circumstances he has to he has to work in and the squad he's working with as well. I think he's, you know, you, you, losing against Juventus isn't the end of the world, and he it wasn't really an emphatic loss either. So I think it, if he, you know, if all signs for me are pointing to Roma getting back on their feet and getting a getting a string of results in the, in the weeks to come. 
Yeah, that's what they have done well this season. Of course, they've <clears throat> picked up points against the mid-table and bottom half sides. So we'll see if they can bounce back from a defeat to a big team again. Um, another big team that, of course, were in action. They were in action on Friday night. Were Inter. They they beat Fiorentina uh, by two goals to nil. Pretty convincing. They seem to be coming into their best form of the season league-wise now, Inter. And I want to focus on one player in particular, Jake, and that's Nicolo Barella. Um, he was the man of the match again, scored an outstanding opening goal in that game. Normally, the Serie A MVP goes to, you know, the player with the most goals or most assists. But Barella seems to be pretty much Inter's best player week in, week out. If they go on and win the title, has he got a very strong claim for being Serie A MVP this season? Definitely, yeah. I think uh, he's really come of age, um, so to speak. I mean, people forget as well, he is quite an experienced player, um, given the fact that he spent, you know, two seasons in the Cagliari first team before he went to Inter anyway. It took him a little bit of time to get in to the side last season and get into his stride, but even the back end of last season, he looked good. But for me, it's the last sort of half a dozen games. He's really come on really strong and he's... He's probably, I think you'd be find, find it hard to sort of find somebody who'd disagree with this, but he's probably the best midfielder in that league at the moment. Uh, I think one thing that's been labelled at him is the fact that he's not maybe scored enough goals, but he's scored a couple of goals recently. The goal he scored on Friday was was excellent. And the most important part of that was it came at such a key time as well. The game was still in the balance. It gave into that sort of stronghold in the game. And it's, it's everything that he's got to his game at the moment. The only thing he could maybe sort of, picking him for is he's not the tallest who's win that many headers other than that he's he's superb he's really strong in the tackle um, he, he's starting to add goals like I've just said he sets things up he can carry the ball he's really good in transition I think he's he's his complete midfielder in the league at the moment in, in terms of all of his attributes and uh, I think if he keeps going on the way he is he's, he's almost a bit of a silent leader for Inter he's not got the armband but um, he certainly leads by example there's a, there's a potential opportunity if he can drag into the to the title that um, you can make a definitely, yeah, definitely can make a strong case for him being uh, the league's best player. He will find it hard because you do tend to go off goals and assists, but he's definitely into standout man at the minute. And the rate that he's progressing, it'd be really exciting to see what he can do in the Euros uh, come the summer as well. I remember seeing him as a 19-year-old kid at Cagliari, and I, th- I thought, wow, this this kid's got some great potential and. It's good to see that now, you know, just turned 24 this week and he's absolutely flying. And and I think you're right. I think he probably is the best midfielder in Italy right now. I think, obviously, Milinkovic-Savic is in very good form for Lazio at the moment. But uh, but across the season so far, I think Varela's certainly got a very strong claim. Um, for their opponents, Fiorentina, it was a pretty disappointing performance. Barely laid a glove, to be honest. And... We've seen some decent performances from Fiorentina lately, but this was a step back. Raphael, do you think this is what we're going to see from Fiorentina for the rest of the season? Sort of ups and downs. And and then where does that leave Prandelli? Will will he continue beyond the summer or do you think he's a stopgap appointment and they'll go for someone else um, when the season comes to an end? I think if you know, if, the, if Fiorentina's owner, Rocco Camisa, has any there's any sort of ambition with the club, then he has to get rid of Frandelli by the summer. You know, they they'll I think ultimately they will be safe at the end of the season. They'll they'll get a few a few decent results here and there just by virtue of the quality of the players in the team. But obviously they I don't mean they'll I don't mean they'll impress. But you know under Frandelli we're seeing the same sort of 
the same sort of issues that we were seeing on the Yakini where then it's 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 not it's it's not it's not so much a question of tactical nous but just willingness willingness from the players and just yeah just just un, unable to really put together a very uh, just a, any sort of career and performance you know lots of players going off form at the same time just generally not going things not going their way as well so I ultimately I do think Prandelli will go in the summer. I think they they need to bring in a, a far better manager when you look at the uh, when you look at the quality of in, in the team. I think it would be nice if that was Sari, especially since you know, Sari is Tuscan himself. It'd be a nice little homecoming. But you know, any sort any sort of manager who's who, who's looking to play an attractive brand of football would have a, would have a field day with that with that team. So it'll be, I mean, it'll be interesting to see who they do bring in if that is the case. But I can't because I can't see I can't see Comiso holding on to Prandelli any longer. I think he has been a stopgap because, yeah, you look at when you look at the way um, Comiso has been talking in the media about you know expanding the Fiorentina brand, really investing into the club. I mean, just this week they unveiled. I think it was a new a new training ground. So he is, he's putting some big investment into the club. And if, you know, I can't see him sticking with Prandelli for, for much longer if he's, if he's really serious about that, that investment. Yeah, it will be interesting to see with Fiorentina because I think they, they've undoubtedly been the biggest disappointment in Serie A this season so far. Um, and, and something seriously needs to change there. Uh, but with Inter's win, they did go top, for, for a couple of days until Milan thrashed Crotone 4 0 on Sunday. Uh, that goal, that game saw Zlatan score a couple of goals, one of which was his 500th career goal. Jake, um, there's been rumours over the past couple of days that he's set to extend his stay with Milan for another year. Do you expect that to be a formality? And, and how good do you think that is for Milan and for Serie A as a whole to have another year of Zlatan? I can't see anything bad coming from that other than uh, I think it's just solid down to how he feels. Um, he's, he's defied the odds uh, massively this season for someone his age, the stats, the numbers he's posted. And it's not just that. We've discussed it plenty of times before. It, a lot of this comes down to what he brings mentality-wise to this team since he's arrived. They're transformed without spending a lot of money on that squad or bringing, uh, you know, a lot of players in, they've gone from being an also ran side, you know, looking at missing out on Europa League to being top of the league, leading the race for the title. So he's been absolutely vital um, in raising the game of all the players around him. Uh, he's brought some real positivity to the club. And uh, I think it's a no brainer for them to extend his contract for a year. And, you know, as long as he's happy with staying, uh, I think the only thing that might maybe um, put the mockers on that might be potentially if they win the league. You might maybe think, well, my job here is done. I, I don't see that. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, really. But um, I think it's a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, he's, he's proven that age is nothing. Cause that's another thing that I'd sort of label towards him, say maybe um, he's, he's a bit past it, but that's definitely not been the case. So I think another year's good for all parties, so long as Latter doesn't feel that he's achieved all that he can uh, with the club. Yeah, in recent uh, weeks, we've uh, we've sort of seen Milan grinding out a lot of results. And of course, they've had a couple of 
poor results, you know, losing to Juventus, getting hammered by Atalanta. But this was a much more convincing win and performance. And the likes of Chalinoglu and Ben Asser are expected to come back, you know, very soon. With them returning to almost full strength, having managed their way through a bit of an injury crisis, Raphael, do you feel that maybe they can get back to the sort of form they were showing in the opening weeks of the season, or do you expect them to still be sort of grinding out results for the, you know right through until the end of the title runs? No, I think we'll definitely see them win more convincingly. I mean, we saw it. We saw against Crotone the fact that Chalhanoglu was back definitely gave them a more creative outlet. And we we saw when we saw on the pitch, he was definitely. A, he was he was quite present on the pitch, and they had they had that they had yeah that, that just a bit more creativity to the game. You compare that to the games where Bioli used um used Mate as a as his attacking mid. The the difference is light and day night and day in terms of um in terms of the chances they create. I think obviously it is against Crotone, so you do have you know you do have to be you have to have your reservations about it sort of take um have a bit of perspective but it's the sort of game also where they might have owned a few weeks ago they might only have won it one nil or two one i mean the fact that they the just just the fact that with chalhanolu back they were able to convincingly thrash them is, is definitely a good sign and i think especially with ben nasser coming back as well the fact that they have got that that starting eleven that was that got them got them to the top of the table basically, the fact that they have got that starting eleven back together is a massive boost. And I think as well, especially with, with the uh, with the running coming up, I think it does it does put them in good stead. Indeed, and and so we've dealt with the with the top three there in Inter, Inter in Milan, Inter, and Juve, and I now want to move on to what was undoubtedly the game of the weekend. Atalanta raced into a three 0 lead. Of course, they thrashed Torino seven 0 last year, um, and I think many people were thinking this could happen again. But Torino came flying back and got a three all draw. Jake, what was your assessment of the game? Do, do you think maybe Atalanta are a bit affected by Papu Gomez leaving. They sort of handled the period where he was frozen out well, but is maybe him leaving a bit more of a sort of shock to the system that it's finally happened? Or was it just a case of them getting sloppy? Uh, I think uh, you can sort of make a bit of a case of both. I think given the fact that he was so good while he wasn't playing at all, uh, makes me sort of think that, it's been glossed over a little bit. Maybe something's been said behind the scenes to the players to sort of rally them and say, look, he's going whether you like it or not. Let's just focus on the task at hand. It, it seems very clear that the president seemed to choose Gasparini's vision over Gomez's. So I think it was made pretty clear that once he sort of stepped out of line that he was gone. Um, you know, Ultimately, a player of that quality is going to be a massive miss. Um, Pacino, who plays in his position, is not quite the same style of player. Uh, a little bit less creative. Gomez, you could argue, argue has been the best or one of the best attacking midfielders in, in the division for the last sort of three or four years. He was excellent in the Champions League last season as well. So to miss a player like that and ultimately not really replace him um, is obviously going to be a big, big miss for them. But I think in terms of just the game uh, itself, I think you've got to give Torino a little bit of credit as well. I think how many teams have we seen go 3-0 down against Atlanta the last couple of seasons and come back? Not many. I think 
Uh, Atalanta are a little bit more vulnerable, but it's it's got to have a, you know there's got to be a bit of credit sent towards Torino. They they worked really hard to get back in that game. They're scrapping for points, and at the bottom of the league at the moment, it's it's starting to just above Torino. There's a little bit of a gap starting to form, so they're fighting. Since uh, Nicola's gone in there, they have actually fought quite hard for a few results. I was quite surprised. I was quite critical about them appointing him. I thought it was a bit of a mistake, but they are scrapping. So I think. As much as they were a little bit sloppy, they should maybe seen Torino off. I think you've got to give Torino a little, uh, a little bit of credit as well. Because um, I think they worked really hard to get back into that game and they deserved the point in the end. Yeah, Torino seemed to come sort of full circle from the start of the season where they were giving away a lot of points late on. Now they seem to be picking up a lot of points late on. But just touching on Atalanta and, of course, over the next couple of weeks, they've got the Coppa Italia semi-final second leg against Napoli. They uh, return to Champions League action soon against Real Madrid. They're three points outside the top four. So, you know, still very much in that race. But do you see Gasparini maybe prioritising the cup competitions over the next couple of weeks? Or or will it still be just about managing the squad and still taking the league very, very seriously to make sure that they can get in the top four once again come the end of the season? Raphael. I think the top four's got to potentially be a priority, um, although it's going to be a lot more difficult to uh, obtain than it has been in previous years. I think Atalanta have been a mass beneficiary of the fact that Milan have been a little bit short, uh, Roma a little bit inconsistent. I think another team you're probably going to watch that is Lazio as well. I think uh, their worst spell of the season is when the Champions League sort of reared its head at the start. They struggle for league form. Uh, I think if I was Atalanta, I'd probably focus on the cup competitions a little bit more. Uh, but I, I don't think by any stretch uh, they'll take their eyes off the league. I think winning a piece of silverware will be uh, a little bit of the icing on the cake to some of these last few years because it might seem quite controversial, but I think perhaps um, we've probably seen the best of this team now, potentially, or we might see the best of it in the next sort of 12 months or so because there is an opportunity that it might start to fall apart a little bit. You know, Gomez is gone, Ilicic is ageing a little bit, even players like Toloy are getting on. Some of the recruitment's been good, so I, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but there might be a chance that this team may well have peaked. So, you know, I, I don't believe that it's necessarily um, the case that you have to win a piece of silverware to sort of um, flex how well you've done. Uh, but that's what they'll be wanting to do ultimately, try and sort of cap off what they've achieved over the past few years. But, you know, they want to make sure they'll be in the Champions League as well again next year after having been in it last year and done so well. And this year they're on track to do well again. So it's, it is a tough situation. And I think the recruitment in January as well gives them a little bit more um, depth in the squad as well. So there is a lot for them to think about. Yeah, I would agree. I think... I mean, we saw we saw Gasparini's post post match comments. Uh, he was saying that you know this squad is tired, and you know the fact that we haven't been able to rotate means that after half an hour we collapsed basically. Some of some of the players were just too tired to go on. So I think ultimately he's going to have to make a decision. And I mean, no, knowing Atalanta, they'll lose to Cagliari next week and then beat Real Madrid. That's just that's 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 that that will be that. Will, would be that would be typical active. I think ultimately, yeah, they they're not going to get any better, you know, standing for, for so many games. So I I think 
personally, I would like to see them win a win a trophy as well. Just just for to have something to show for this for this sort of period of time, or or at least you know go for another go for another big Champions League run, whether they win it or not. That's I mean that's a bit out of the realm. Possibility, but definitely a cup run would be nice. Yeah, certainly would be. Um, and you, yeah, it'll be a fascinating February for Atalanta. They've got some huge games coming up in these next couple of weeks. So, uh, really interested to see how that pans out. And uh, Jake, you did mention briefly there about Lazio, and and they're in really good form at the moment. Got a one nil win against Cagliari. They're now level on points with Roma for fourth spot, uh, having looked, you know, out of the Champions League picture, uh, you know, a month ago. Um, do you think that they can keep this up or are you slightly concerned that with <clears throat> the Champions League set to return, they could struggle to handle that just as they did earlier in the season? Uh, I think they will uh, struggle to keep up um, due to the fact they've got all the commitment to him that all. Uh, make it quite hard for them. I was a bit disappointed with them on Sunday, actually. Uh, I, I think maybe perhaps Inzaghi had that um, future fixture list in his mind because it was almost as if they went 1-0 up and just settled for it, really, against a team who haven't won in uh, three months um, when they were at home. So I think maybe the fact that they held back a little bit was perhaps something to do with that. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think the squad is so thin and so lacking in quality in terms of depth uh, they will find it quite hard. And this year, compared with last year, there's so much more competition for those Champions League places than what there was this time last year. So it does make it quite difficult for them. They can't exactly rest players in the league. They can't keep their um, take their eye off the ball in the league at all uh, because if they were to get knocked out of the Champions League and then find themselves in a position where they can't qualify for it again next year, they won't want to wait another 13, 14 years without um, Champions League again. So... Uh, I think they're possibly the side that will worry the most about depth. I think Atalanta have got players who can come in uh, that will help them out. Uh, whereas I think Lazio really are struggling for depth and quality. Um, players like Akpro Akpro have come in from the league below. They've not really hit the heights yet. Uh, Marici's starting to get some game time now, but ultimately he's not quite found his feet yet. And these are players who are replacing like of Milinkovic-Savic, Alberto, Immobile. That starting eleven they've got is absolutely excellent. Um, it's top four worthy in the league without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, but I just worry about what depth they've got in there. They can't afford to rotate. Maybe a couple of injuries could send them over the edge a little bit as well. So I think for them, it's it's going to be really, really difficult for them to keep this run going and finish in that top four and give a good Champions League showing as well. It's, it's superb what Inzaghi's done, but they can't keep asking him to keep working miracles. Really. They certainly struggled earlier on in the season. Of course, they had a they had a major COVID outbreak um, in their in their squad, so that didn't help whatsoever. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether they can keep that up. Obviously, they've got the unenviable task of taking on Bayern Munich soon, so we'll see if they can do Syria proud in that one. Um, but another team that are in the running for the top four um, are Napoli. But they were beaten this weekend 2-1 by Genoa. Um, I don't think this was a major shock, really, given Genoa's current form. Um, but the pressure is now growing on Gattuso. If they do get knocked out of the Coppa Italia by Atalanta, 
could that spell the end of his reign or do you think he'll see out the season, Raphael? I mean, there's been conflicting reports in the, in the Italian media this week. Some people saying that, you know, that De, De Laurentiis has basically resigned to keeping him until the end of the season. And others saying that, you know, the next two games are crucial. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, so in terms of that, it's very, it's quite, I think we're all, we're all a bit in the dark in terms of his future, him included. So, Personally, I, I mean, personally, I think they should they should keep a hold of him until the end of the season because he is working under difficult circumstances, and you know, a loss to Genoa in you know, the form that they're in right now is isn't necessarily something to be ashamed about. And I think Ballardini's done an insane job since he's since he's arrived. The fact that he has basically taken them from I mean, they were second to bottom when he arrived, and now they're in twelfth place. And they, I think they won more games than they, more more games than lost in that run. So definitely very very impressive. Um, so personally, I would stick with Gattuso until the end of the season. I think he's, I think they're they're in a rut right now because of well, precisely because of the uh, the uncertainty around his job. I mean, he was he was complaining about it. I think post match last week as well that you know he can't work in a sort of environment where he's constantly being undermined all the time, and I, I can understand him. You know he's not he's not working in the best of conditions. But then obviously, when you're in Napoli, that's a sort of um, that's a sort of environment that you step into as well. So it's yeah, it's difficult to say, but knowing how volatile it, you know that sort of that. That sort of environment is with De Laurentiis constantly talking with other managers and you know with clubs with um, with results not going their way. It's difficult to see him uh, staying on until the end of the season, but I would like him to. Yeah, I think it, this midweek game against Atalanta is going to be absolutely crucial, and and we'll have to see how that plays out because you know they can't really get rid of him if he makes another final, but. But if they do lose, then there is that excuse for him maybe to go. Um, as for Genoa, they're now up to 12, nine points above the drop zone. Jake, um, can you put your finger on how exactly they've been so successful all of a sudden after being a pretty dreadful side for the last two to three years, really? And, and then all of a sudden they put two months together of football that has been some of the best in the league. It's been absolutely remarkable. Uh, I think in terms of Ballardini, most people saw him come in and didn't expect much uh, fanfare or any fireworks at all. He's, he's already had that job before and it didn't really sort of work out for him, but something's just clicked. And I think what you often find every season, you, you find a side struggling at the bottom of the league and it, it's the character that sort of drags them out. And it seems as if Ballardini's sort of gone in there and united them as a group. Um, I watched the game against Napoli and the way the players were celebrating just, just showed they've got some real unity there. Uh, it's almost as if they sort of joined um, as, a, as a bit of a cause. Early season, you couldn't have seen anything more opposite. They were absolutely atrocious. Uh, players that looked like they knew what they were doing. Um, they, they made all these signings, a lot of them temporary. It didn't really seem to make any sense. But he just seems to have made things simple. I think the biggest factor in their upturning form is Mattia Destro. Uh, his goal-scoring record has been absolutely phenomenal. He didn't score um, Saturday, but he's been absolutely unbelievable recently. His goal-scoring record has been absolutely outstanding. And 
Uh, one of the old heads in the squad as well, Goran Pandev, absolutely superb uh, on the weekend, getting the two key goals. But they've got some good players in that squad, players who shouldn't be playing for a side, battling relegation. Kevin Strootman's been a good recruit in January. Zappa Costa, having Perrin back in goal as well. So on paper, they've got some pretty good players. They've got a decent squad. Skamaka, uh, although he's not quite done as well as um, people have hoped, he's generated interest allegedly from uh, clubs a little bit um, higher up the league. So it, it just seems to me as if he's made things a little bit simpler for the players. He's got them grafting, he's got them working, and he's sort of got a bit of fire in their belly. And I would definitely have not seen a result like that coming seven, eight weeks ago at all. But there's a chance that we're talking about the finishing mid-table now rather than getting relegated. And it's it's really good to see. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the case. They're really pushing up there towards mid-table. You know, only three points outside the top half now. Um, but from a club that has pulled away from the relegation zone to a team that are very much in it, and that's Palmer. They were beating 3-0 at home by Bologna. A, a really, really poor result for them. And they're three points off safety now, Palmer. Um, Raphael, can you see any glimmers of hope for them right now? Or is it all pretty much doom and gloom and, and you expect them to get relegated based on what you've seen in recent weeks? I think there is a glimmer of hope in the sense that they have spent, a, well, maybe not spent, but they've brought in a lot of players over the over the January window. What I'm, you know, what I'm a bit perplexed about is the fact that they're not really playing any of them in these um, against Bologna. At least they didn't. They've been sticking with their um, with that old attacking line that they've had all season with Jovino and Cornelius, who clearly haven't been producing results. I think if Diversa has the sort of the wherewithal to, you know, shake things up a bit and make use of his signings, I mean, Graziano Pelle is a very solid signing, especially for for a team that's battling relegation. That's going to need that kind of that kind of striker for presence. I think that I think that they can potentially turn things around, even if it if it is you know with every passing week, it's getting unlikelier really. But yeah, I, I think I don't think it's a downward spiral just yet. In the sense that yeah, those those signings can potentially reinvigorate the squad. I mean, Bologna, you know, they're always going to have this the old performance where they do put put um, put boatloads of goals past their opponent. I mean, Bar- Barrow is really coming into his own this season. Even if there there has been some inconsistency with Bologna, they've. They've managed to Mihailovic has managed to string things together and put put out a very put out very good performances every now and then. Uh, I think what's been interesting as well is his manner management of Orsolini. You know, sometimes taking him out of the the squad entirely, sometimes putting him on the bench, but it seemed to have, it seemed to have uh, to have got results since he scored this he scored this week. So, I, I think. Positive signs for Bologna, and I don't think it's all doom and gloom yet for for Parma. Yeah, they're still only three points off safety, so you know with seventeen games to go, still very much not out of the picture yet. But but the weekend was it was obviously a a major setback for them. Another team battling relegation, of course, are Spezia. Uh, they got a really important win this this weekend away at Sassuolo, two one, uh, having been a goal down. Um, Jake, um, 
Sassuolo's first goal was really nice, actually. Lovely team goal. And they were playing some excellent football at the start of the season, but it really seems to have, you know, their form has fallen off a cliff. Why do you think that is? And, and how exactly can they turn things around? Quite a tough one. I think if you actually look at the games they've lost, they've lost against all the top sides. Um, they recently, a couple of the performances were a bit poor, I think. In terms of the game at the weekend, that disallowed goal uh, from Juricic just before half-time is a massively key moment with the game at 1-1. I think if they go in front, maybe it's a different game. But uh, Jassy scored and still 12, 15 minutes left of that game. So, you know, there's a good enough chance to get back into it. Uh, I think maybe recently they'll be a little bit concerned. Drawing against Cagliari, who can't beat anybody. Drawing against Palmer at home. Palmer are really, really poor. I, I mean, I know we've just discussed them, but I thought they were terrible. Um uh, over the weekend, Bologna found it really easy to beat them. And Bologna, one of the, one off, if not the most inconsistent side in the league, they they brush Palmer aside with ease. So I think in terms of the last four or five games, we'll be a little bit concerned. Uh, I think they're starting to let a few goals in now as well. Um, I think ultimately that they're punching above the weight around where they are now in the league, sort of eighth, seventh, eighth. I think that would represent a fair reflection of where they are in terms of how good they are in the league. There is seven or eight teams that are better than them. Uh, but they've got a decent game this weekend, taking on uh, Crotone. So that could be a really good opportunity for them potentially to get back uh, on winning ways to then play Bologna the week after. So there's a chance them to sort of bounce back in Milan recently, Juventus recently, that's that's a big ass for them, especially in the Juventus game the red card didn't help them to Obiang otherwise they might have maybe got a draw out of that, uh, but in terms of Spezia uh, I've been really impressed by Spezia recently, I think given the budget they've got to work with, uh, Italiano's doing absolute wonders with that team and they're looking like if they can keep going the way they are, they're going to stay up and that'd be an absolutely monumental achievement for a side so small yeah, they're now six points above the drop zone. And, and yeah, as I said, a really crucial win for them this weekend to, to sort of open up that gap. Um, On to another game. This was sort of two more mid-table sides. Uh, Udinese against Verona. Um, Udinese won 2-0. Uh, we, we've seen praises of Verona for most of the season with how, you know, sort of tactical they are and how they're a very tough side to break down. But they have now lost their last couple, conceding five in the process. Is there cause for concern there, Raphael, or is this just a minor blip and you expect them to bounce back soon enough? I would expect them to, yeah. I think, you know, even if they have been in a bit of a rut recently, they have still been able to put out, well, Juric has still been able to sort of mastermind some some good performances over we saw against Napoli. I think, I mean, they just came, came up against... A, team that's similar to them in terms of um, not in terms of tactically, in terms of just the, the overall level of play. I think Udinese have been pretty much on the up especially since the start of the season which they, where they they started quite badly but I think Udinese were just by virtue of the quality of the players that they have got in the team now you know, Musso in goal bringing in in attack and obviously having Depal and Dio was quite who played quite well against um against Verona. I think they are starting to put together a 
a good, a decent, a decent run. They'll, they'll see them safe. Contrary to what we what we were thinking at the start of the season, where they might have been, they well, they would, they would have been dragged into relegation battle. So I think, I think overall the performance reflects more on Udinese than it does on Elas Verona necessarily. You know, being in being in bad form, I think Juric has the tactical now to you know to bring them out of bring them out of the of this bad spell in form. I think ultimately they will stay in the top half of the table. Definitely, although maybe challenging for for a high European place is a bit out of their reach now that now that things have solidified. I guess in that sort of top seven, top six region where they are where. The top teams are just running away from the from the pack, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's any sort of cause for concern for for Hellas just yet. Yeah, that seems to be the case. And and then the final game that we that we have to cover from the weekend was was Benevento Sampdoria. They played out a one all draw. Benevento, of course, in their, their first season back in Syria, they're currently fourteenth with twenty three points, eight above the drop zone. Are you pretty confident they'll be okay, Jake? Or is, is there a chance that they could get dragged into a dogfight in the final few weeks of the season? Uh, I think I'll sort of reiterate the point that I mentioned before. I think you've got four teams that are really cut adrift at the moment. That is licensed to change. Uh, six, eight points is not a major gap. Uh, so they will be looking over their shoulders a little bit. I feel like they might have peaked a little bit as well this season. That spell just before Christmas, they looked really, really good. But a couple of recent defeats seem to have knocked the stuff out of them. They were thumped by Inter and uh, they, they found themselves rather luckily beaten by uh, Milan, but beaten all the same. Uh, I, I think maybe a couple of reinforcements in January might have helped them along a little bit. Uh, but I think they, ultimately they might just about do enough and that will represent success for Inzaghi. The last time they were in this division, they were pretty embarrassing, really. Um, you know, a club of their size, it was a little bit of a step too far with a lack of preparation. But a lot of those players who are still in this team uh, now look a lot stronger than what they were for that experience. So you could argue it's probably done them some good. Uh, I, I think they'll be OK. I think they'll stay up. I think they might get dragged into a bit of a battle uh, because I don't, I don't think they're that strong in terms of depth and on paper. But um, I think they'll just be all right. And they deserve to stay up. They've, uh, they've played really well. Uh, over the course of this season. They're certainly not in the three worst teams in the league for me. Um, but I think as the season goes on, they might run out of a little bit of steam and find it hard. Yeah, it could well be the case. As, as you say, at the moment, it looks like this is fairly comfortable for them. But there's always that sort of one team that gets dragged back in in most seasons. And Benevento could be that side. We'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Um, OK, so we've covered the weekend. I now want to look ahead. And of course, we've got a huge week of Coppa Italia action coming up. Um, I, I, I would like to point out we're recording this on Tuesday evening just before the Juventus into second leg. Uh, so this will go out after that match. But I'm going to stick with you, Jake, on, on this one. And uh, how do you see that second leg playing out? Can, can you see Inter turning it round? Or do you think Juve will have just enough and we'll get through to the final? Uh, I think given that uh, Juventus have got that experience of sort of clutch moments over the last, you know, best part of a decade now, I think they'll do just enough. I think maybe a 1-0 win, maybe a 1-1 draw, or 2-1 win for them. I think they'll just about make sure they'll do enough to uh, to get through. I think Inter might 
uh, find that the system's a bit rigid to be chasing a game as well into not the best when it comes to having to pull out a result on just an occasion that they find it quite difficult. Although they have got recent previous history uh, of doing that against Juventus. But I think going away uh, to the Allianz, I think it might be a, te- a test just a bit too far for Inter. Uh, I'm backing Juventus to uh, make it through and make the final just by a single goal margin or playing out a comfortable draw. Going with your head over your heart on that one then. OK. Um, and uh, last week, I got Raphael to predict uh, into Juve. So this week, I'll give him a chance to predict our other match. And that's uh, Atalanta-Napoli. Of course, the first leg ended nil-nil in Naples. So not really an advantage for either side after that. Who, who do you see getting through to the final, Raphael? I'm going to tip Atalanta just on the basis of the fact that Napoli have a lot of absences, especially at the back. Um, got Koulibaly, who's out for, um, for coronavirus, and then Manolas, who's, who's had a, who has an ankle injury, picked up an injury, um, I think it was a few days ago. So the fact that they have got their, their two best defenders out, it's, it's a massive loss. And they, he is, Gattuso is going to have to sort of put together a makeshift defence, which Atalanta could potentially get a lot of joy from. So, you know, if they were at full strength, I think the teams would be would be level, as, as we saw in the first leg. But I think, uh, given the circumstances right now, I think Atalanta have the advantage. Yeah, certainly going to be two very intriguing second legs. Uh, plenty of drama, I expect. And um, then looking ahead to the weekend with Syria, um, Jake, are there any games that catch your eye in particular that you'll be uh, watching closely? I think the obvious one's got to be uh, Inter against Lazio at San Siro. I think that's a massive game. I think what adds to that is the fact that Inter have got a number of key players on bookings and they've got the derby, the, the game after, which is obviously first versus second uh, at the moment. So um, that'll be a really tough test for Inter, uh, playing a side who are uh, the most informed team in the division. I, I fancy that to be a really, really good game. I, I, I can't call it either way, uh, to be honest as well. Lazio have got a good recent record against Inter uh, as well. So I think that'll be definitely the standout game. I also want to make a case for Torino against Genoa being quite an exciting one as well. We've just... Praised Genoa effusively. Uh, we, we've mentioned about Torino uh, showing a bit more bottle of recent. So that being a home game for Torino as well um, means that it's a chance for them to play someone in and around them. I know Genoa a little bit higher up now, a bit clearer, but they might target it as a home game that they've got a chance to win. So they're two games I'm looking forward to this weekend, definitely. And how about you, Raphael? Do you have, do you have any games to add that, that you'll be watching? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to point out the uh, the other obvious game, which is Napoli Juventus. I think, save for the fact that they are, you know, the two two mass two massive sides as well, there is all that context behind the the um, the first match in Turin, which obviously never happened in the end. So you've got a lot of sort of off pitch context around it, which well, which makes the rivalry even more intense and means there's there is that bit that spice to the game. Other than other than what's happening on the pitch, which will be which will make for a quite quite an interesting game. Obviously, the fact that the fact that Napoli weren't able to travel to the uh, to the initial initial game will mean there is 
there is a lot of there will be a lot of talk about that in the, in the build up to the game. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on the pitch. Yeah, certainly going to be set to be a spicy contest. I think that one. Um, and so that concludes the episode. Thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Another fascinating week coming up. So I look forward to talking about it again next week. Um, and we'll catch you guys soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.